This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. COVID-19 is upsetting everyone's lives. However, this is no time to develop a bunker mentality. In my daily conversations, I'm speaking with physicians grappling with diagnosing, treating, and managing patients with COVID-19. I've said this directly to many, but I want to go ahead and say it here in front of everyone. To each of you, thank you so much for the risks you're taking. But I'm also speaking with physicians whose practice activity has them a step or two removed from the likelihood of direct COVID-19 contact. And many remain interested in moving forward with their non-clinical career transition plans, but they're unsure of the right next steps during this critical time. To them, I've been offering this bit of advice. There is another service you can provide, and it's a service that can benefit your patients, your community, and yourself. Yes, if you're not a physician who's working tirelessly with direct issues involving the spread and treatment of COVID-19, now is the time to perform a different public service, one perhaps you've not really considered before. Like me, I'm sure you're staying abreast of the daily news, not to mention the literally minute-by-minute updates that pop up on your, your cell phone. The messages are much the same. Shelter in place, stay six feet away from others, wear protective gear, I and many others do all those things, but that doesn't mean to pull the covers over our heads and take a long, long nap. At least, I don't believe it does. And this is where your public service can help. Today, we're being inundated with information. We're receiving false information due to the ineptitude of some in leadership roles. We're receiving false information because some modern-day snake oil salesmen see COVID-19 as a blank check to defraud the public with bogus products. And we're receiving misleading information simply because the target is moving so quickly. Only a few are really able to keep up with the pace of change. Too much of this information is leaving us very confused. Who do we listen to? What do we believe? What do we do? We need filters to help us know what to believe and what to do. And we need more specific, more granular information. Kids were partying in Florida on the beaches last week, not because in general they were arrogant, but specifically because they had been told they were at very low risk, and even if they contracted the disease, it would likely be a mild event. Now think about it. If you were told your likelihood of contraction was small, and even if you did, it may be no worse than a common cold or flu, would you give up your vacation of the year? Well, probably not. But... What if the message to the young was different? What if the message focused on this? You may be a carrier. Or this. You may infect your entire family. What if sensible recommendations were made to the young about social distancing and about personal hygiene? How about a new campaign targeted specifically at the youth titled, Don't Forget to Wear Your Protection? Well, that just might get their attention. Or how about making the youth part of the solution, not casting them as thoughtless parts of the problem? But who could deliver that kind of message? Well, what about a young doctor or even a resident or medical student? This type of public messaging serves both the public, but it can also help position you as a trusted resource. So to be blunt, it can be an element to you establishing managing and expanding your own professional brand 
as part of your career goals while doing something that serves the community as well. So what if a credible voice of youth simply said this, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you what you may be exposing yourself, your friends, your family, and strangers you pass on the street to. Let me tell you. That message just might, you know, it just might resonate. But the youth are just one audience. How many audiences are there? Well, consider these important points of contact. Consider first your own practice, your clinic or your group. Walk around, look at the staff. What are they doing and how are they doing it? I'm sure your clinical staff is protecting themselves and their patients, but what about the cleaning crew or the file clerks, the billers? First, are they doing the right things? Second, do they know why? I commented this morning to a client that too much information about COVID-19 is, is being communicated under the banner of because. Now, you know what I mean if you're a parent. I know you've been badgered by your children to know why they couldn't do something, whether it's going to a skate park or a gelato store. Your reply has been, because. Well, because I have many reasons for saying no. Some relate to you, some to me, but it's complex, and the answer then is just because. That's a lot of what our country is hearing today. Stay inside, stay six feet away from others, get tested, don't get tested, call before you visit your doctor. But why? No one is taking the extra time. And really, at these national briefings, do they have anything but time? Well, no one is taking that extra time to address the whys. So why not you? But again, let's go back to points of contact. Think about local schools. Sure, there's probably a health officer, but do you think they're not overwhelmed? Call an offer to help. Call and say, I'd like to help you communicate the right messages as broadly and as appropriately as possible. Look in your, your own community, your direct neighborhood, so to speak. Perhaps you could team with a local newspaper or your homeowners association, maybe TV media to host an online Q&A about some of those unknown questions of why. You could also offer some suggestions. What products are real and what are fakes, for example? And within your community, you have different groups. You have seniors, but there is a big difference between a 60-year-old and a 90-year-old or an 80-year-old. This blanket warning of risks for anyone over 60, well, it seems to be needing some fine-tuning. And I think you could do that. Look at your local business community. Your chamber or local business group is grappling with the same issues of information and misinformation as everyone else. If they have a business and social distancing is acceptable in their business, how should or could it be structured? Should protective gear be worn? And if so, what protective gear? You could teach a best practices program on social distancing. You could also help businesses establish better processes to monitor employee health. You know, many locations have closed restaurants but are allowing takeout and delivery. What should the consumer's concerns be about the person handing a container of food through their car window or delivering it to their doors be? I've begun wiping my mail with disinfectant wipes. Am I crazy? I don't know, but I do it. What has happened is a complete turning upside down of our activities of daily living. How do we cope effectively 
and appropriately. How many podcasts, videos, blog posts, newspaper articles, TV appearances could you do and still leave valuable information untouched? My guess is this. If you took the ADL approach to analyzing what people do or need to do and encounter on a daily basis, you could provide a daily five-minute update for your local TV station or a 250-word brief article for your newspaper. You could become the face, the voice of reason. Look at it this way. Social distancing is a big thing. It's easy to explain and it's easy to define. But what about my trip to the grocery store? First, grocery aisles may not even be six feet wide. Second, I see people touching canned goods and returning them to the shelves. How do I protect myself in the store? Do I wash or rinse all my purchases when I get home? Think at the granular level. Think about all the touching, what I might call the secondhand touching. That is touching something someone else has touched. Is that touching something to be concerned about? Most of us don't know, but shouldn't we know? Basically, the public needs to know what to worry about and what to protect against. But they also need to know what not to worry about. Both are important. What I'm recommending is for you to establish a media presence. Start a local COVID-19 blog or podcast or YouTube video series. And if you don't know how the technology of doing those things works, well, give me a call and I'll help you. Engage with local media to serve as their, their filter. When I read the news, both local, here in Denver where I live and online, it's nearly impossible to get away from COVID-19-based news. So much news means those reporting it, printing or airing it, well, they need help. Unfortunately, I know that many physicians are actually fearful of speaking with the news media. They believe they're the enemy. They are afraid they'll be misquoted, that they will in some way be cast as villains. Simply put, Physicians too often believe nothing good will possibly happen from engaging a reporter. What you need to appreciate is this. Few reporters, and I'm not speaking about the physician health care reporters we see on national news, but more at the local level, few, if any, are health care or medical experts. They take what they hear as the truth and they print what they're sent as it comes off the, the, the wire. Their ability to actually interpret that information is somewhat limited. Their limitations can then become your asset. I'll tell you a little story. Many years ago, when I was in charge of marketing for my community hospital, I found considerable frustration with the local press. No one, not any of my fellow administrators, not the medical staff, not our hospital's departmental leadership, none of them wanted to speak to the press. There was frustration not only with how the press interpreted anything beyond a direct quote, but also with quotes being taken and presented out of context and distorting their meaning, but also the stories that touted some minor activity of our competitors that were overblown. All these things frustrated the people in my hospital. My view was a little bit different, however. Having worked in a newspaper before entering healthcare, well, I could understand the mistakes the reporters were making but I understood them not as occurring out of malice, but rather from being uninformed. I sat down with my staff and we developed an educational curriculum for the press. We literally created a four-week program of weekly meetings that included presentations and tours focused on key clinical departments about medical technology, how hospitals are structured, and even how healthcare finance works. 
we created a well-informed and knowledgeable press. As a result, we became their source, their sounding board for clarification of healthcare issues, whether about our hospital or about others. As a result, our coverage improved, as did overall coverage in the area. One of the reporters in attendance even won a press award for some of her healthcare writing. The point then is this. It has been repeated over and over that the public needs reliable, accurate, and truthful information. But it goes just a bit beyond the truth. It also goes to context. Let me return to my previous comments about the youth. What they were hearing, what they were being told was basically the truth, but it was just not in context. Context goes to nuance, and nuance goes to much clearer understanding. Healthcare is very nuanced, and no one is better able to explain that nuance than you. So my advice is this. You can provide a tremendous public or community service by helping filter the torrents of information inundating all of us. You don't need to school the press, formally anyway, but you can help them better understand what they are seeing and reading. You can become their trusted source. And in the course of working together, you will improve what they produce and open the doors, perhaps, for your own commentary as well. The press and the mass media is only one opportunity. And by appearing in and working with the press, you can really open doors or expand your exposure to many other, other industry avenues as well. Your approach can be the same wherever you choose to focus. For example, you may want to focus on the business community. You may see opportunities to work with business groups or labor groups. Regardless, your message is much the same. Your message is based on providing impartial information that cuts through some of the noise everyone is having to deal with. You may or may not want to provide actual medical information. That may present a malpractice question, but one you can address with your carrier and determine the extent of the information you're willing to provide. I would encourage you to do that. Regardless, other areas of focus could include the educational community. Uh, you may belong to groups or organizations that in normal times form some physical community. Technology today allows us to communicate very clearly and effectively online through interactive web conferencing by videos you or those you work with can post to literally innumerable points of contact, by writing or by simply helping those who write about and cover the situation to better understand what they are hearing and what is important. You can offer help and information by advising how best to address the crisis in various environments and for varying purposes. Many in your community, whether individuals or groups, have questions. I have questions. I personally get frustrated by the generalizations that I hear. I want more specific information about what is affecting me. But I, like most in your community, have no place to get those answers. What's the upshot of taking such a public stance? Well, it's simple. If we have learned one thing from COVID-19, if one positive might emerge, I believe it may be a renewed belief in experts, in expertise, in knowledge, a renewed belief in facts over fluff, and a renewed belief in science. And wouldn't that be something you would want to see occur? And wouldn't you believe you had done a public service simply by adding to that possibility? But the further upshot is this. Whether the greater objective occurs, you, doctor, you personally will be elevated. You will have positioned yourself as a trusted resource. And assuming you've chosen well, 
you have chosen an area to work in that reflects your own greater objectives. You may have established a highly valuable networking link. You may have expanded your brand and laid an interesting, if not solid, foundation for your own non-clinical career transition, post-COVID-19, of course. So now is not the time to hunker down. Now is not the time to develop a bunker mentality. Now is the time to get out and about, figuratively, but literally, by phone, Skype, FaceTime, email, start talking because they will listen. As always, if you have questions or comments about this podcast or would like to suggest a topic for a future presentation, don't hesitate to contact me at 720-339-3585. That's for voice, message, or text. Until next time, this is Robert Pretty for Third Evolution. Thanks for listening.